This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. And even the software developers, my colleagues, you know, they were telling me every year they have to take on professional development to learn different new software languages and different updates and all that, right? So this is actually really uh, ever-changing. So even if you learn some really solid technical skills today, it, it could get out of the outdated tomorrow but what they're going to stay is the soft skills and they will really help them to advance in their career and in their life personal life as well just to, to to succeed that's kurt yang reflecting on the need for soft skills in what is commonly thought of as a pretty technical industry kurt is my guest today on central station hello i'm colin klupik kurt yang has extensive experience working in technology And despite not coming from what you might call a traditional robotics background, his interest grew from somewhat of an unexpected opportunity. Kurt spent many years working in the field of educational robotics, helping schools and students understand the wonders of this crazy field of engineering. According to Kurt, soft skills are just as important as the technical skills when it comes to designing and implementing robotics successfully. And for those of us who are interested, but are perhaps a bit afraid of things like coding, that's good news. I started by asking Kurt just why and how this came to be such an interest for him. And, a quick disclosure, Kurt is actually now part of the team at Central. Kurt, you've been around the uh, robotics, and I'm just going to loosely say uh, technology or even STEM space for quite a while. Uh, It's not your space right now, but you've had a fairly uh, decent history with robotics. Can you tell me why robotics means something to you? What draws you towards robotics? Um, thank you. Um, thank you, Colin. That, that's a great question. Um, for me, it was, I guess that was fate because fate. <laughs> fate. I say, I mean, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, it's, it's starting to sound very Terminator a, already. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, so the reason why I'm saying it's fate is part of it is, um, prior to, um, educational robotics, I, I had an interest in just technology in general because I worked in many commercial roles while I was working in the banking industry prior. And then I realized the, the whole world is driven by technology. And I was reading and just sort of basically getting to know more about what's ha- happening within the space. And there's a lot of noises back then, talk actually even nowadays, talking about robotics and AI. I, I was reading into it. And I wasn't actually seriously about uh, sort of getting into or actually working in this field specifically. Um, it just happens to be there's an opportunity landed on my plate. Like a headhunter, when I was working in one of the banking organizations, um, they just asking me, you know, this organization is a fairly new startup. They are doing this amazing new educational robotic program. They want to take over the world on like in this space. Are you interested? And uh, it just happened to be that that's the timing where I was really interested in in this area. I, I, I knew that was going to be a challenge for someone like myself, never working in robotics before, to um, to, to really just to, you know, take on a new adventure. But I just said to myself, you know, what the hell? If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work out, I'll, I can always come in back to my old banking industry. <laughs> the old banking so, industry. <laughs> well, that's interesting, so the I, fact that, that, that you've come into it that way, because... I'm assuming that some students might come into it that way when we talk about robotics and education, and we'll get to that in, in just a moment. But from <clears throat> from your experience, most people would probably think about robots being used for automation uh, and might have this kind of distant arm's length view of what robotics does. But there are other applications. In your time, 
What other interesting applications did you see? And were there any that were particularly, um, uh, I guess, more um, human-based or have a bit more of a human edge to them? Totally. Um, this is the part, I think, once people start to read or learn more about it, they will realize the power of robotics, right? I mean, sure, robotics, historically, we're talking about automation where there's a term nowadays called robotic processing automation. It's just more used in the banking back office, processing automation, saving costs in the back office. But, um, you know, there are areas, I think you were touching on the human sort of elements part of it. I believe there are a lot of uh, organizations like uh, nursing homes or uh, organizations taught, uh, you know, dealing with people having psychological problems or, you know, the sort of a uh, depression, loneliness. So they actually utilizing robots to work uh, what you call those like artificial intelligent robots to talk to those people, to having interactions with them, you know, like, and things like that's really helping, um, you know, human beings or people's well-being especially the ones that actually need those um, support not saying you know like okay so robots will replace uh, those nurses or carers not at all you know but in certain scenarios the carers or people then they might not always going to be able to be there you know but because those people maybe they're based in uh, remote locations or and may, there might be other constraints but robot can you know whether it's virtual robot or physical robots so that's you know, that part of the application, which I'm really, really uh, felt, you know, that's, that's the area robots can do great for the society. And I think I, I can see more and more applications in that area these days. And at the other field, which I really want to talk to you about, uh, probably more throughout this conversation, is, is within education, you know. Mm. Um, you know, educational robotics, people thinking, oh, you know, it's just mainly used for, uh, you know, kids to learn some coding skills, maybe some mechanical engineering skills. Not at all. Like there are so much broader, uh, you know, learning outcomes and uh, takeaways from that. And we'll, obviously we'll talk more about that. There's an interesting example of, of that in my local Woolworths supermarket, would you believe? Um, I have a son who's 10 years old and uh, he, he came running up to me one day and he said, Dad, there's a robot here. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, there's a robot in Woolworths. And uh, and sure enough, I would come around the corner and there's this robot standing there. And I thought, wonder what that does. And for a long time, we actually didn't know what it did. Uh, but what I, what I noticed was this uh, reaction in my young son who was suddenly filled with curiosity and wonder. And oh my goodness, what does what is this thing doing? And it's a kind of a weird looking robot. It doesn't have any arms. It doesn't have eyes, so to speak, although it looks like it's got lots of cameras. And then we eventually found out that it's there to wander around the store looking for spills on the floor and it cleans them up. But uh, the, yep. out, the outcome that I could see was not necessarily that my son was interested in robotics, but that he, he was interested in a different application of technology. And I think that's where we might end up going with this conversation. But before we get just into that point, why do you think that it's taken this long for robotics to have this kind of um, uh, recognition in schools? Because robotics has been around for several decades. Why, why now? Um, totally. I think you're, you're like, you definitely, um, right. Especially robotics, things like Lego, uh, you know, I don't know, like they currently have their robots like EV3, but they have like so many iterations prior to that back, like say 10, 20, probably 30 years ago, you know, like, so, uh, probably, I don't know, like, you know, the kids, you know, back then they already done some very elementary level or that version of the robotics before. Um, I think the reason why it has taken this long to really become uh, more popular or aware by the, the school or society in general, 
um, it's kind of it, it's good. It's, it's it's exciting and also sad, I guess. I think it's actually passively driven by uh, the, the the fast advancement and progression of technology. So with all the recent uh, you know technology disruptions and especially digital technology, uh, both on the hardware and the software end of things, uh, there is a I guess you can say social pressure for the government as well as schools to really do something to re I mean by do something is sort of a um, sort of bring up that kind of education um, support and standards to really get our kids ready uh, for the new technology era that is coming up where actually it's already happening right now um, but so, so I mean, this, like in my view, should have done even prior, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, we are a little bit reactive uh, than proactive, but but that's fine, you know. And I mean, the, the bottom line is is is, is we are doing it, and um and and I think um because of that pressure, it is definitely cascaded down from it's it's a top down sort of a cascade. So the government obviously they they are aware other nations where globally there is this trend and pressure, you know, we're driving this direction so obviously that's going to be uh, that has been cascaded down to the the state government uh, and also then to the um to the actual each individual schools so schools some of the schools and you know being pressured to implement uh, new digital technology curriculum or design and technology curriculums some they are more proactively taking it on because they want to be competitive or they just generally realizing the value of what this bring to the kids so do you think it's uh, from an educational perspective now, and this is a space where you've got quite a bit of experience, do you think that robotics is a STEM thing or can it be its own thing? Oh, <laughs> that's a very, very interesting question. Um, so my answer to that is it is it is definitely a STEM thing. So, uh, it, so the reason why it is a STEM thing is robotics learning, they consist of, in my view, five pivotal areas, construct, control, interact, kinetic energy and artificial intelligence. So this is basically from a robotic learning in terms of a technical learning and hands-on learning point of view. But what's sitting behind them, uh, obviously we, we, we can touch on that probably later on, it's all the essential STEM skills. I mean, by STEM skills, I'm talking about the soft skills, right? So coming back to your question about whether it can be its own thing or not. So the way I, me personally, I view robotics, I actually see robotics, it's, it's just a tool. So what today we can talk about robotics and tomorrow we can talk about drones or other technology we can use. So technology, they're, they're, they're there as a vehicle to help our educators and help, help, uh, help our kids to learn the essential STEM soft skills. So that's what I really want to say, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the soft skills as well as the technical skills, why do, you, why do you think the soft skills are as important? Are they equally important? Are they more important? Uh, in my view, they are way more important than the te technical skills for a couple of reasons, right? So number one is I, I just want to sort of uh, uh, lay it out there just, just in terms of like what type of soft skills uh, students and educators can get out from STEM learning, especially from robotics. So robotics learning, right, it's very hands-on. I think that this is actually one of this, uh, it's a very unique advantage comparing to, you know, code, uh, learning coding through like web, uh, you know, like development courses and and otherwise, um, the critical STEM skills, where people say STEM skills these days, um, things like problem solving, critical thinking, computational thinking, design thinking, all very, very important, collaboration, communication, 
And most importantly, I would say is curiosity and imagination. Those two are the most important ones. Take Tesla, for example. The reason why Tesla is able to succeed is the way they are at this level scale. It's actually because they were able to be curious and they have above all of our level of imagination. You know, they're able to think big, like really big, and then just really hit it. So, uh, and, and then coming to your question about why it is, uh, why I was saying why it's important than the uh, technical skills. So if you think about technical skills, whether it's mechanical engineering or software engineering, right? Software engineering, for example, back like say 10, 20, 30 years ago, people were learning like C Sharp, a Java, a JavaScript and everything else, right? But these days people talking about Python, Ruby on Rails, and you know, like there's, you know, different type of languages coming mm. up year on year. And even the software developers, my colleagues, you know, they were telling me every year they have to take on professional development to learn different new software languages and different updates and all that, right? So this is actually really uh, ever changing. So even if you learn some really solid technical skills today, it, it could get out of it outdated tomorrow but what they're going to stay is the soft skills once you have those soft skills and they will i mean this is me talking to the kids and they will really help them to advance in their career and in their life personal life as well just to 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 succeed just a lifelong so if a student if a student had an interest in robotics but realized that they had some fairly significant uh, issues with their technical understanding or perhaps they just thought they weren't particularly good at maths or maybe coding isn't quite their thing but they just really like the the notion and concept of robotics are you suggesting then that those students can also have some kind of a role in a robotics industry or robotics application a hundred percent a very good example i can give you um, colin let's just say putting robotics aside right i mean because robotics is still relatively new to us from an industry point of view but i think software industry or software engineering is very popular to, mo- to most of us if you think about a company like even central you know we are a software company right within central we have uh, software developers and we have uh, like my role is a product manager so i'm not that technical and we have project people and we have you know business development people you know like there are different roles even within a technology company uh, and in order for our company to succeed everybody has to do their role well and you know, like there are, there are actually a lot of roles within a tech company that is actually not tech oriented. You know, like they are more, uh, you know, people skill, uh, you know, oriented, communication skill oriented, or maybe coordination or project management skill oriented. And those type of skills, and then, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention about design. Design is a very important elements in technology space as well. And a lot of those skills doesn't have to rely heavily on that person's technical skills, but um, those skill levels and everything with those, uh, those people, they are crucial for a tech company to deliver a tech product, whether it's a robotic product or maybe a software product into the market. Yeah, I appreciate your comment about design there because I, uh, you re- referred to Tesla before and I've, um, I've read Elon Musk's uh, biography there and he's, he's obviously very technically brilliant, uh, but he also has a very high uh, understanding uh, and sensitivity towards the aesthetic, which is why Tesla has a very particular look about it and everything looks... Well, I, this is a matter of taste, of course, and, and I, I, I like the look, but um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not an overly um, conservative or um, machine type look. It's, it, you know, it has a beautiful appearance to it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that design has something to offer there because um, that's one place where creative students can have, have their, their, their place. Have you seen uh, any particular implementations in schools where it's worked 
quite well, like th- things that are memorable? Definitely. Um, obviously, through my experience previously with my previous robotic company, we were helping a lot of schools implementing robotic programs. Um, I, I think for us, we were more working with uh, independent schools and Catholic schools. I mean, just the sort of the clientele, uh, you know, our company were, were dealing with previously. And I think one of the areas I just want to really highlight in Australia right now, there is a, a great, I think this is a great trend, by the way, uh, a trend where uh, talking about girl, girls in STEM. So especially, you know, how there's a lot of the uh, um, girls only schools in Australia, especially from a high school point of view, or actually primary school as well. Um, and and, and their uh, emphasis on STEM and this actually, this is coming back to my point about it's not about like just get a girl to learn some coding technical skills, really get them to learn those hands on, uh, build their both the technical confidence and also further strengthening, the, uh, strengthening those um, essential STEM soft skills. You know, and I, uh, there are schools I, I worked with, like, say, Pinball Ladies, uh, um, Ravenwood. Um, and there's a few other ones. I, I think um, Kambala, you know, we were basically implementing um, sort of our robotic program to their year five and six, some of the year seven and eight. So typically a lot of the robotic programs, they've been implemented in primary school from year four, five and six, and also in in the high school space, year seven and eight. And I think um, that's, that, that's a part I felt really rewarding to see the girls um, you know, really grown those confidence in uh, learning coding, learning robotics and building those soft skills, you know, from there where, where they were before to the level where and they, they really put their, because a lot of the girls, they initially were doubting themselves, uh, doubting themselves, thinking, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm just not really very technically minded, you know, to this sort of coding thing, robotic thing is just not my thing, you know, but soon enough, once they actually get into it, they're realizing how interesting it is that drives them to really study hard or anything. And if you see the results that they, they came out from, it's, it's even better than some other kids who are more talented, but less driven, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So in my view, there's nothing as, you know, there's no such thing as all, oh, you know, robotics or coding. It's only for those high IQ or very talented kids. It's nothing like that. It's basically if you put your you know, mind and heart to it, and you will get really good at it, you know, as long as you really have the, the motivation and drive and the, the, the commitment to it. And one other thing I want to just quickly highlight is, I mean, there's other uh, schools like Barker. Um, they obviously they won't outclimb back then, but uh, they are also a great school. But they they went on to the other route, which they very advanced in the robotic program uh, uh, robotic program area. So they adopted like a whole school approach to robotic programs, where their their students, I believe, they participated in robotics from year three onwards, wow. all the way up into high school, and they got a uh, a dedicated robotic center. Uh, created for students to work together uh, in a team-oriented sort of environment, and they even hosted and participated in numerous uh, world-renowned uh, robotic competition. Actually, won a loads of like awards year on year. So they obviously at the other end of the spectrum. But of course, we all know that type of schools you you don't get that many. I mean, because for one is you need to have the level of resources to support that, yeah, and also the the dedication. But obviously, that's an inspiration. But here we're talking about having the ability to really implement some sort of a, a easy to implementable uh, robotic programs to vast majority of the schools and able to enable our kids to learn robotics or get the soft skills we talk about to a level where, it, you know, being inclusive, being able to benefit majority of us. That, that, I think 
that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So that, that could sound quite overwhelming, though, to a school that has uh, no experience in robotics. So, uh, you know, a dedicated centre competing internationally <laughs> uh, year after year, a program that goes from year three. You know, I, I guess you might get some, uh, some school leaders turning around and going, oh, look, that all, that's just all too hard. But then you might have a couple of people at the school saying, yeah, it's too hard, but I really want to have a go. How do they get started? How do you go from nothing to something? If we're talking about, I mean, this is how I would rate different school levels in terms of their robotic experience. You know, there's beginners, there's intermediate, there's advanced. So Barker is definitely an advanced one. So if we're talking about a beginner level schools from a robotic experience point of view, I would say to get started, um, it's better for them to look for um, some external solutions. So solution as, for example, it could be a uh, robotics uh, incursion providers. So there are training organizations, so many like out there, happy to provide some um, some some like list of them maybe you know show notes or something school yeah. uh, you know people can 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 uh, can search there's so many and what they do is they provide robotic incursion programs so basically they have the robot they have everything they need school don't have to provide anything so they you know basically come in for a class or a couple of hours maybe once a month or once a term or something to get students experience um, that robotics learning at the same time the teachers and school people people can get a feel of what's that like and then from there on they can decide which path they can take on so that's kind of like a like a like a like a having a taste you know of what that like and at the same time without having to put on, uh, put in heavy investment so that, that that's one approach the other approach also could be looking for a uh, a total solution in terms of a robotic provider vendor um, that provides hardware software curriculum uh, PD support and all of that. So in that way, once the school decides to take it on, so that vendor or provider able to cater school's needs from implementation's point of view uh, in all angles, right? So like like my organization, my previous organization, Actura, um, the, the robotic program we implemented, it, I believe the name is Fleet Robot. So that's what we did. So we have like the hardware, software, um, cur the curriculum which mapped to uh, to um, to Australia to, to the Akara standards, the design and tech and digital tech um, set, uh, year seven and eight uh, curriculum standards, as well as other supporting programs, just to ensure the implementation is successful. So there's various ways for the beginning schools to to can kick off. And the other thing I would highly recommend is for schools to really want to know where to start and everything is to maybe just check out some. Um, you know, like maybe podcasts or there's a lot of information out there as well, you know. So it sounds like there's uh, plenty of room for people to get started, even if it does sound rather overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, everyone has to start from somewhere, right? You know, uh, even for me, when I first joined my last company, I, I knew nothing, literally nothing about <laughs> educational robotics. And now I can't say I'm, a, I'm, I'm an expert in any way, but... I think I definitely know quite a bit about this area. Well, you've got first-hand experience. You've come out the other end smiling, so that's uh, that's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Kurt, it's been a real inspiration talking to you about robotics uh, per se, but then also in the educational context. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Colin. And no doubt this topic will continue to evolve at a crazy pace as we move into the future. You've been listening to Central Station. If you'd like to know more about robotics in education, check out the links in the description for this episode. And if you'd like to hear other great stories and insight from inspiring educators from around Australia, then make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Central. To find out more, visit the website, central.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Thanks for listening. <laughs>